0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Thursday, August 27th, the feast of uh, St. Monica, and, um, We are actually in the 21st week of Ordinary Time. So the reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 42 through 51. And Jesus said to his disciples, Stay awake, for you do not know which day the Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of the night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. And not let his house be broken into. So too you also must be prepared. For at an hour you do not expect. The son of man will come. Mm. Who then is that faithful and prudent servant. Whom the master has put in charge of his household. To distribute to them their food in the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master. On his arrival finds doing so. Amen, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is long delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, that servant's master will come on an unexpected day Hmm. and at an unknown hour and will punish him severely and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The
2: Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
1: So, what does Jesus Jesus say to his apostles? Stay awake. Does that mean we can never go to sleep?
2: Oh, I think we. Found, <laughs> I think we've, Bishop Sheen's made a holy hour sleeping.
1: Yes, well, Bishop
2: Sheen made a holy hour
1: sleeping, and he said after he was done, the Lord said, "Yes, you did it this time, but don't do that again." Exactly.
2: <laughs> but Mary, before you do the explanation on the Gospel, a quick update for our listeners. Starting September 4th, we're going to go back to Fridays at noon after the Terry and Jesse show for the Bible with the Barbers. So people can mark that September 4th. So a week from the, uh, Friday. Yes, a week we're from going, this Friday. Right, we're going to be on right after the Terry and Jesse show. Okay, right. let's get some explanation cool. of what's going times. on here. Yep. So, what's happening
1: here? Jesus is telling us to stay awake, to always be alert, to mm-hmm. always be looking toward God, living in the presence of God, and and realizing that we have no finality in this world. We weren't made to live a perfect paradise here on earth. And by the way, politics and politicians and world leaders, they're not going to save us from anything. Mm -hmm. We can have good men ruling over us when we pray to God and Mm -hmm. pray for our rulers. What does St. Paul tell us in in the book of Romans? Mm -hmm. He says, pray for those who are raised up to rule over you Mm -hmm. so, so that they will rule in a godly manner. Right. You know, and Paul lived in a time when the Roman emperors declared themselves gods. You know, it was like, you gotta worship me. <laughs> you know, I
2: kind of think some politicians think they're gods. For example, I'm just saying the mayor of New of New York when uh, he said that uh, this COVID nineteen has nothing to do with God. You know, intervening. It was all me. It was all us hard work. And so, in one sense, uh, we have politicians still denying God's role in our in our life. So nothing's changed.
1: Right. And and that's the thing is, and I don't have to look to examine someone else's conscience. I need to look to examine my own. And Mm. I know this is an election year, and a lot of people are really putting a lot on the election. Mm. The reality is is what has to change in America are the hearts of the people. Amen. Every individual heart. We need to turn back to the Lord. For 47 years in this country, it's been legal for a woman to murder her child, Mm. to pay, excuse me, to pay someone else to murder her child through induced abortion. And now... They're doing it through chemical pills. But in addition to that, even before Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Dalton and Griswold versus Connecticut. With with the onslaught of artificial what's called contraception, Mm -hmm. like Bishop Sheen said, birth control. Now, the smartest man in the room is always Bishop Sheen. How does he always know all this stuff? Mm -hmm. Birth control. It's a misnomer. Because the reality is, you have no birth, and you have no control. Well said. And and the thing is, what the reality is is, everybody who pushed for birth control realized that there will be a failure. I mean, these are these the pills they create, the methods of birth control that they promote, whatever the method is for you to to limit your family size. There's it's all they they all have a failure rate, and many of them have seventy percent, or thirty to forty or fifty percent failure rate. Depending on how they're used, right? But um, other than sterilization, direct sterilization, we're complete, absolute, complete sterilization. I, mm-hmm. I read a story once about a woman who they just did a hysterectomy and they didn't take out her fallopian tubes and her ovaries, and oh, yeah. she got pregnant anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, short of short of complete sterilization, you're not going to prevent prevent conception from taking place, in all instances, even when you're taking the pill, even when you're using barrier methods, even when you're using spermicides or other chemicals that hurt the egg, the ovum, or the, or the sperm, you will still have conception. And so that's why they, they wanted to get rid of the, the, every state in the union of the United States of America had the right to outlaw the sale of contraceptives in their state. By the way, they, read the package inserts. Anyone who's taking them, read the package inserts. They're very, very hurtful to women. They're very damaging to the body. They, they, they set a woman up to get cancer. Mm. In addition to being used in a lot of other things, um, they are destructive. it's destructive to the family when husbands and wives decide that they're not going to have children. It, it destroys the family. And when you use contraceptives, it makes people think, well, I don't have to be faithful anymore in marriage. It leads to a whole culture of infidelity That's and right. pleasure. A whole pleasure culture, which is absolutely destructive to the family because the family is based on sacrifice Stay awake. Mm. Are you staying awake husbands and wives? Mm. Are you watching for your children? Are you praying for your children? Husbands? Are you praying for your wives wives? Are you praying for your husbands to be faithful stay awake Stay awake in this generation of people who have fallen asleep that we've all like like frogs are being boiled one degree at a time And believe it or not the entertainments that are being put out the the music the magazines all of these things are geared to wrap us in a web of pleasure Well, all that matters in this world is my pleasure. Well, Jesus is saying stay awake because you don't have a finality in this world. And and with 47 years of legalized, direct-induced abortion, the killing of babies directly. By the way, abortion is nothing less than that. It's the direct, deliberate killing of a human being. Let's just be honest about it and take away the rhetoric. All right? We need to stop this. An election isn't going to save us we need to do penance stay awake is right we need to do penance we don't know when the lord is going to come and by the way you know um that tragedy that happened in in was it beirut in lebanon where they had that big explosion yep i mean for a lot of people the end came really quick thousands you know and again we don't know you know natural disasters happen um Things like that—a chemical explosion occurs where something wasn't taken care of properly. In addition to that, people get sick and die. I mean, car accidents happen. Sure. We we had someone come and call us about a funeral. There yep. was there 49-year-old.
2: Yep. Car uh, motorcycle accident. Motorcycle head-on. accident,
1: head-on collision. Yep. The man died. Yep. You know, and this is just boom—he's gone. Yep. Here one day, dawn We don't know. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't know how long we have on this earth. But we do know that we weren't made for a finality on this
2: earth. We were made for union with God. So we need to watch. And you know, Mary, what you're saying, Bishop Sheen made a comment about you're, pre- you're preaching God's word, and it's a hard gospel for the world to accept. Right. As Bishop Sheen made a quote, he said, the more solid truth, he says, you cannot preach goodness, that's what you're preaching, goodness to an evil world and expect to be anything less than crucified. So the... The bishop is saying when we preach the word of God, right, don't expect the world to say, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> wow, that is so neat. Come on over. I want to hear more. Yeah. And the reason the world doesn't want to hear more is because it means that we have to, we have to uh, accept what God has revealed about the meaning and purpose of life. And many of us in the world like the idea of just doing it our way rather than God's way, exactly. So they're they're going to fight back. They're not going to take it sitting down, and we can see that today, and even in our church, when a bishop speaks out boldly, they say, "Be quiet. We don't want to hear from you."
1: Exactly, exactly. And and when a priest speaks out boldly, yeah. and oftentimes he's reprimanded actually by by people within the church. That's and I know a friend of ours, Barbara McWigan, for years and years, she's mm-hmm. gone around doing pro-life talks. Mm-hmm. Trying to encourage young people to to live chastely and, and encourage people to stop using um you know, stop having recourse to abortion. But also she said, you know, it's funny, I can go around and I can talk against abortion, talk against abortion. But once I bring up artificial contraception, oh, yeah. she said, Now they then they say, Now you're meddling. You know I <laughs> uh, say, Keep the church out of my bedroom. Well, if you say keep the church out of my bedroom, you're saying keep God out of your bedroom. Exactly. And if God doesn't have a place in your bedroom, then
2: you know what? You don't have a godly marriage. Exactly. You may not have a marriage at all. Well, Okay, that's a, quiet, that's, a, that's a big statement. We need to understand and unravel that uh, on what, what consists, what makes a valid marriage. Right. I think that's well, a good well, question.
1: For it to be valid, first of all, both couples have to understand that they're vowing themselves to that's each right. other that's exclusively right. yep. and, and for life. This is, right. this is for all of time. It's not till death do us part. It's not, oh, if it feels good or till it feel, as long as it feels good or till I find somebody better or maybe huh. I'll try this out. Mm-hmm. No, it's not an experiment. Nope. It's, you, you, you vow yourself, to, you give yourself away. When you, become, when you marry someone, you no longer belong to yourself. You belong to them, and they belong to you. And, and in this covenant of love, and li- that, love that you mm-hmm. have established between the two of you, this covenant is supposed to be fruitful and bring forth life. So if you were to agree that you weren't having children at all, it invalidates the marriage.
2: And that's why these annulments can take place. Right. They're saying that the, it's not that it's a Catholic divorce. No, it's not. It's just the opposite. It says when you got married, there were things that were there that were not there right. to make it a valid marriage.
1: And one of the things is you have to be free. You cannot be doing this out of coercion or mm. fear. If someone says you have to marry this person and that's the only reason you're marrying them. Well, no, that's not a valid marriage. You have to make the choice freely. You both, and you have to be free to marry. There can't be any impediment.
2: Oh, so there you have it. Yeah, but that's an important distinction in our church today to understand that more with the Bible, with the barbers. When we come back from a short break, I'm glad you because when. You-
3: Hi, this is Jesse Romero for the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the imminent threats on the internet www.covenanteyes.com code vmpr live porn free thank you for listening to virgin most powerful radio thank you god bless you keep the faith
0: jesus said in matthew 26 stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out his will in all things. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: And just, we were talking about marriage just before the break, and I just want to refer people to the Sacrament of Matrimony, Article 7, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, beginning with paragraph 1601. And continuing on, and that's in section three of that, paragraph 1626, um, excuse me, 1628, they're talking about that the, the consent must be an act of the will of each of the cons- contracting parties free of coercion or grave external fear. So just, y- you can go through that whole section of the Catechism on marriage. It It um, is lengthy. It goes, you know, several pages, excuse me, more than several. It goes to... <laughs> Uh, paragraph sixteen sixty six. Can I can
2: I make an interruption just because Bishop Joseph Strickland is doing uh, a yeah. series on the Ten Commandments, and on the sixth commandment, he's right into that section on what constitutes a marriage. Awesome. So that's awesome. going to be on Good. Tuesday. Uh, you are on Virgin Most Powerful Radio after the Terry and Jesse show. Excellent. Just a quick plug.
1: No, and that's good because then he can that he he will address those issues and it will be good to for people to understand. Mm-hmm. But again, we stay awake and we watch. And one of the biggest things in marriage is that that whole covenant of love, where when you love someone, you want what is best for mm-hmm. them.
2: That's what St. Thomas And that
1: means heaven. Yep. And and so we want what's best for that's our right. spouse. That's right. So we will sacrifice to help our spouse get to heaven. And um, in the second part of this gospel here, th- this is still on Matthew 24, uh, verses 40 through, through 51, 42, excuse me, 42 through 51, on Thursday of the 21st week of the year, August 27th this year. But um, who then is that faithful, prudent servant whom the master has put in charge of his household to distribute to them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on his arrival finds doing so. Amen, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is long delayed and begins to be his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, that servant's master's will come. master will come on an unexpected day mm-hmm. at an unknown hour and will punish him severely and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. So who is that faithful servant? Well, the faithful and prudent servant is the one who perseveres, even if the master's coming seems delayed. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that one of the problems, you know, with Christianity. It's like, well, Jesus founded the church, you know, it's a little over 2000 years ago or getting on 2000 years now. And at first there was if you read back in the early church, there was great fervor. and, And when you read the letters of Paul, there's this urgency when you read the gospels there's this urgency this has to be done immediately and Mm -hmm. and and it's funny because now modern scholars in the 20th century say oh obviously all of these people were expecting the end of the world to come immediately well no they all were realizing that the end of the world again as we said already comes at the moment of our death for each one of us individually the end of the world is going to come at the end of of, at the moment of our death Mm -hmm. and and i remember um you know when i was a a teenager i wasn't even a teenager when i was in sixth grade um I, I, we knew a family that lost three children mm-hmm. and over a course of, of several years. But th- when I was in sixth grade, the first one of those children died. She mm-hmm. was in eighth grade. A year later, her, her, her brother, who was 22, died in Vietnam. And about eight years after that, their youngest brother, who at that time, when he died, was 16, mm-hmm. died. And it was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Death is no respecter of age. You know, Stephanie was in eighth grade. Peter was 22. Larry was 16. And it was like, oh, and, and then, you know, you go to funerals and little babies die yep. or little children die. And, um, no, death is no respecter of age. You have people who live to be 105 years old. I had an aunt who my mother's, she was an aunt of my mother. She was my great aunt. She lived to be 105 years old. Amazing. Aunt Lydia. You know, Aunt Lydia. She was born in 1890 and she died in 1995. And I was like, wow. You know, but then you have other people who, who die in, in infancy or childhood. And, no, none of us knows the day or the hour. An accident can happen to any one of us at any minute. That's right. We should always be prepared. We should always be living. That's why you live in the presence of God and live in the state of grace. Mm-hmm. And remember St. Joan of Arc's prayer Lord, if I am in the state of grace, please mm-hmm. keep me there. And if I am not in the state of grace, please put me there and mm-hmm. persevere in that. Beautiful. But we need to persevere in the faith, even when the whole world is attacking our faith. We cannot, you know, it's, it, it's like, you know, unfortunately, you have a lot of people in the political world who say, well, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but. And then they go on to talk about how they can't impose their morals on others. Well, excuse me, push the rhetoric aside. Exactly. Let's push these people to the wall. You can't. You can't impose your morals on others. Then why in this country is it illegal to murder someone? You know, why do we have first degree, second degree, and third degree murder? Why? Why is it illegal for me to steal from you? Why can't I go in and take your house, tell you it's mine now? You know, why do different degrees of theft get punished at different degrees? Because we do legislate morals all the time. We have to legislate morals. Why can doctors be tried for criminal neglect if a patient dies because of their carelessness? Because we legislate morals all the time. Exactly. But when it comes to abortion and contraception, oh, now we can't legislate morals anymore. Really? Are we staying awake? Or are we like the frog being boiled one degree at a time and buying into the pleasure culture and allowing ourselves to believe that I have a finality here in this world and that I'm made just to live for pleasure? And it's interesting because a priest friend of mine pointed out, he said, well, look at all the the foods that they've created now that please your palate, but don't give you any calories, you know, the the sugar-free stuff and the diet stuff. Diet Coke, sure. But what about all the foods that they've created nowadays that please your palate, but don't give you any nourishment? Right. They have calories in them, but they don't give you nourishment. And in addition to that, they actually cause problems in your body. Right. You know sugar added to anything that's almost everything that's processed it's not necessary to add sugar to everything no. the, the, all of the, the the chips and the snack foods and what is their purpose their purpose is to, is to to give us pleasure well what is the purpose of eating is the purpose of eating pleasure nope no the purpose of eating is to nourish the body that's right. the purpose of drink is to quench the thirst what is thirst Thirst is a desire for water that stems from the body's lack of due measure of water. So when you're thirsty, you know, I don't have enough water in my body. I need to drink water. But now we have all these other drinks that can please the palate, but don't necessarily, and by the way, diet drinks don't hydrate us the way they should. As a matter of fact, they tend to dehydrate us. Mm -hmm. The snack foods don't nourish us, and they tend to destroy our health. So we have this whole culture of... and and. You know, we all give into it. I, I, I don't I don't know of anybody who's perfect. I, I don't know of anybody who's never touched a snack food or never touched a dessert in their life. You know, and I'm not saying that that's the way it has to be. It's not all or nothing. But we live a moderate disciplined life, always waiting for the coming of Christ, mm. always and not only waiting for it. We're supposed to be praying. Do You know, what? we're supposed to be praying for the coming of his kingdom every day. Stay awake, watch, and pray. Are we praying for the coming of his kingdom? Are we awake in our prayer? When we go to sleep at night, do we say, Lord, I have to sleep. In obedience to your body, I go to sleep. But may my heart keep watch with you. It says this in the Psalms, by the way. Mm-hmm. While I'm sleeping, may my heart keep watch. Ask your guarding angel. You know, do, it, it, what was it? That little twinkle, twinkle, little star? <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, or that, no, the lullaby. Go to sleep, little one. And I made it up for my... Um, our for when our daughter was little you know go to sleep little one angels watch they will keep while you sleep little one the angels will watch they will watch over you and for you they will sing they will sing little one praise to jesus our king the angels don't have to sleep they don't have a body right so you can ask the angel to praise god for you while you're sleeping yep and watch over you that you know even that so that so that you're 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 doing this in union with god yes May every heartbeat be an act of love, every pulsation an act of thanksgiving, every breath an act of union of my will with thine.
2: <laughs> even picking up a pen for God.
1: For God, everything far. for God, <laughs> you know, for love of God. And, and, and so that faithful servant is all those who will persevere in following God, even if it's long, even if he seems to delay his coming,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we will trust that he's coming. That's right. And a lot of people say, well, it must be the end times because of all the things yeah. we're going through. Well, honey, I, I don't think it's the end times. And I don't think so because God is very balanced in the way he does things. And there was about 6,000, we, we know of at least six to 10,000 years of human history before God came as the Messiah. So um, we probably have a ways to go before <laughs> before it, the, the end of time is coming. Um, there will be an
2: end to this world. We know that the world, that we, as we know it, is passing away. But for most of us, that end is at our death. Exactly. And so that's why it's so important to have the end game in your mind, and meaning right. that life is short and eternity is forever. I, I think it's kind of a waste of time, to be honest with you, Mary, to talk about is this the end time, because I think we need to focus more on our own end time in our own personal life so that we live... You know, in the state of grace when we die. And, you know, that's what I just go back to the Second Vatican Council's call, the universal call to holiness. Right. If we focus more on our sanctification and less on figuring out when the end of time comes, that's probably a better time management.
1: It would be better time management and I understand the temptation. Mm-hmm. We're living in very difficult times. Mm-hmm. Well, and true. we look at we look at ourselves and our own weakness and we're like, but I can't persevere through this. If this gets worse, I'm probably gonna capitulate and just say to heck with it, I'm yeah. gonna throw in the towel and right. no, don't. Pray for the grace not to capitulate. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's bad? Read Victor Frankl's Man's Search for <laughs> yeah, Meaning. Really you know, classic. read Saint Maximine Colby, read Conrad Bars's The Doctor of the Heart. Where these men went through the concentration camp. So so it must have seemed like the end of the world I bet, right I bet. how many times has it been the end of the world you know when when the temple was destroyed in jerusalem in 70 ad it was the end of the world the temple was a microcosm of the world for the jews that was it boom the world came to an end mm-hmm. the temple was destroyed and 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 so for for many civilizations that their civilization came to an end their way of life came to an end their culture came to an end but Mankind, the world keeps going. Now, I'm not, it's not going to go forever. It will come to an end end at some point. But only God knows that. But as Terry said, we need to be ready for our own end. Mm-hmm. Any one of us could die. And literally, you know, we're supposed to the church tells us, the church counsels us. Think of death every single day before you go to bed at night. Realize I could die in my sleep and not wake up in the morning. And then that's the end of time for me. Yep. Or or I could die of a disease. I could die of, there was somebody, a friend of ours, they just, their father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer two months ago. Yep. I think it was the father. He died. Two months. Mm-hmm. It's like, boom, psh, pancreatic cancer. Now he's gone. And it's like, oh, oh, whoa, wait a minute. He barely, you know, barely, as we say, we barely had time to put things in order. We don't know. So we need to watch and pray, and we need to be ready and go to confession. Make an appointment and go out of your way to do it. And by the way, we need to get back to church. Mm -hmm. You know, whether we're dispensed or not, it's not, you know, are are you obligated? Uh, um, Does someone have to tell you that you need to tell your wife under the pain of mortal sin, I love you today? Nope. Does someone have to tell you, you need to tell your husband, you better go see your husband today. Under pain of mortal sin, you (laughs) better go see him at least once a week, you know? No. When you love someone, you want to be with them every day. Well, do we love God? Jesus Christ is still present among us in the Eucharist. Yes. You know, we're called to to watch with him in the Eucharist, to be present to him and with him. And and he is the one who's going to help us get through these times. So um, that's a lot of commentary on a short gospel. But I think it's important for us to realize that (laughs) in the times that we're living, we need, as you said, we need to realize all of us are going to die and that we're we need to be ready for that moment.
2: Absolutely. When we come back, we'll have more with the Bible with the Barbers. And also, I'm going to make an announcement about a four-part debate with Father Benedict Rochelle, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Father Benedict Rochelle. We'll be right back with more Bible with the Barbers. Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church the mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives we also provide aid to poor families in ecuador with food baskets medicines medical assistance and help with funeral needs for the deceased the work in india is done by father antonio's organization saint mary's in ecuador the work is being done by the servant sisters of the home of mother you can call us at 877-762 eight eight five seven. To learn more, please visit our website w dot God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year round. May God bless you and your family
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
2: Welcome back to the, t- to the Bible with the Barbers. I get too many shows. Let's see, I got Bishop Strickland Hour, Bible with the Barbers, and Terry and Jesse. Wow, okay, I got it straight. Mary, before we go back to the commentary for this Sunday's Mass readings, I'm really excited about a four-part debate. As many people know, I've been involved in, a, in evangelization and apologetics for 41 years. I've seen tons of debates, and you have too. You've been with me on many of them over the years. But this is a special debate with, where Father Benedict Rochelle, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Father Mitch Paqua debated three well known Protestants, and it was a very respectful debate. And they cover the Eucharist, they cover the Blessed Mother, they cover the Bible. It It is a great debate. And we ended up calling it the ultimate challenge. So now, Father Benedict Rochelle's been dead for, what, five or six years? Well, I'm taking this old debate on video and putting it on our app on the 12th of September. And that, you'll hear Jesse Romero also, he just did a bonus talk on how apologetics brought him back to the catholic faith. Awesome. And this debate is very respectful and and one thing I it's worth listening to. Father Benedict Rochelle talks about uh, a saint who died in 1956. Yes. And he was a young novice in the chapel in the middle of the night and what he saw in that chapel is worth of the time spending it, listening to the debate. Yeah, yeah. It's a witness on the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So you can yeah. you can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org to sign up for that debate on the 12th of September. You won't want to miss it. I'm excited that we're replaying this, and I think a lot of people will benefit from it. Now, Mary, I had to make that plug because I think a lot of people will learn a lot about the Bible also because Dr. Hahn, Father Mitch Pacwa, and Father Benedict are quoting the Bible all through the debate.
1: Right. It's excellent. it's it, it's awesome. Uh, so I, I really hope everybody will sign up for that and uh, tune in. Tune in for that. Mm-hmm. And then we're um I do have my Bible study still on Tuesday evening oh, at seven PM. Yeah. Um, here at the chapel. We're we're actually going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church now. The the Catechism of the Catholic Church is so full of scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Glenn Glenn Batten, the the priest of the ordinary at um, who's here on Sundays and offers mass for us. Saturday too. Saturday and Sunday, Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. and confessions before both masses. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that um, even while he was a Protestant, he was using the catechism of the Catholic Church. Is
2: that a hoot? To prepare.
1: I love you know, it. I've heard servants. more
2: guys that have yeah. converted to the Catholic faith say exactly that, that it was the catechism they were quoting and they kept finding out that, hey, wait a minute, I <laughs> sound like a Catholic. <laughs>
1: Catholic Church was, it, it's just, it, it's very rooted in scripture and that's because, that's be. Remember, it's not it's not the Bible or the Church, you know, either or. It's mm-hmm. both and that mm-hmm. that and and the Church came first, and then the Bible came out of the Church. That's right. And it was the the bishops of uh, the Council of the Catholic Church that pronounced which books of the Bible were the books of the Bible. And the the idea that it was the Council of Trent, no, that the canon of Scripture had been decided back in the um, third and fourth centuries, no fourth and, fourth and fifth centuries, but um, it was it was solemnly codified at the Council of Trent because at the Protestant revolt, certain books of the Bible were being rejected, books that had been recognized all, all throughout Christianity as, as part of the Bible. You
2: know, Mary, I noticed that Holy Mother, the church, a lot of times defends things when they get challenged. Exactly.
1: And that's what she does. She doesn't. And, and the church doesn't want to. Um, you know set dogma in stone you know uh, your, your dogma is the truths of the church that God has revealed the, the faith that God has revealed mm-hmm. your doctrine is the explanation of those truths and 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 that those explanations can grow and develop over the years mm-hmm. and it can take time for the church to fully understand it's like that you know the idea that Mary was always sinless this is um, wasn't actually defined as the Immaculate Conception until 1850. Mm-hmm. But it had always been believed that Mary was ever sinless. Since the beginning, it was believed that Mary was ever sinless. And it's rooted in Scripture. And and again, the church doesn't just pull these doctrines, or exp- uh, the, the explanations, the doctrines, out of thin air. They're rooted in Scriptures. And so, but once she codifies it, once it's set in stone, once the church declared the, the, the dogma of the Immaculate Conception and then wrote the document, okay, now that dogma can no longer develop so it's it's set in stone as it were so there's a there's a certain you know that's the full flowering that's as full as the flower is going to get you know so um you can think of uh, roses and you have the buds or you have the ones that are just opening up or you have the full bloom you know and if if you declare the dogma at a certain point in history well that's it
2: and just just a quick note mary after you do the sunday readings if we have time you gave a talk to a woman's group on Saturday on Our Blessed Mother. I'd love for you to kind of highlight what you chatted about.
1: Well, we'll see how much time We took a lot of time on that reading for Thursday. I so. know. And that's not a bad thing. I, you know, the, we really need to see how the scripture applies to our life in the time that we're living. Yep. And what the Lord is saying to us in this moment. And um, for Sunday's reading, it was Jesus um, went to Caesarea Philippi. It's Matthew sixteen thirteen through 20. He went to Caesarea Philippa and he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They responded. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others. Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the nether will not prevail against it. I shall. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, mm. and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Just a comment on that last sentence. Again, that messianic secret that, that Jesus seems to... He has to impose a certain silence on his disciples because the people were expecting a very different kind of messiah, and if they really began to believe he was the Messiah, they would try to pressure him to be something he was not, and they did do that, but it, it would have muddied the waters more than they were going to be muddied, so he, he kept it under wraps he until the full flowering again again it wasn't he there was the bud, and the bud was un, was opening up little by little so th- he goes to Caesarea Philippi and he asks the people, the, the apostles, this is apostles, it's 12, who do people say the Son of Man is? It's almost like he's speaking in the third person, right? He doesn't, who do they say I am? He says, who do the Son of Man? Mm-hmm. They know, the apostles know what he's referring to, the Son of Man. Um, and that was referring to the Son of Man that comes from Ezekiel. Um, it comes from Daniel, the, the vision Daniel has of, of heaven. And he sees one like a Son of Man coming, receiving kingship and glory and dominion. The Messiah. Okay. Yep. Well, they, so they answered, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who speaks up. We cannot know by our own, the light of our own human reason who Jesus Christ is and what his mission is. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for no mere man, flesh and blood, hasn't revealed this to you but my heavenly Father. And in so doing, the Father has made it clear who is to be the head of the church. And that's, in other words, the Godhead. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When, when God acts outside of himself, he always acts as the trinity of persons. Um, the one instance, of course, being that only the Son became man. The, the, the trinity did not become man. Only the Son became man. Right. But so, so Peter, it is revealed to Peter who Jesus is, that he is truly the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And remember, I mean, to say this, you're a son of God. In the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as God's son. The kings were referred to as sons of God. Um, The righteous man was referred to as a son of God. So to say that wasn't necessarily saying that you were God. But the way that Jesus makes the claim and the way that's being said here, yes, it was clear that Peter is pronouncing on his divinity, on Jesus's divinity, that he believes that he really is God incarnate. Which by the way, you know that's a huge leap of faith hmm. for them' it's like how could God become incarnate? Nobody was expecting this <laughs> you know the pagans believed there was a God, but look at all the gods they invented to try and explain who God was right you know they got it mixed up and, and yeah they, the gods had children, but the children weren't they were they were kind of you know it was whatever that was paganism and it was not true it's it's false but but Peter recognizes, by the grace of God, Peter recognizes. This isn't something he came to on his own. It's not because he's the smartest of the apostles. It's right. not because he you know, has you know, the most intellectual prowess or the, or the greatest, even, not even necessarily the greatest degree of sanctity. It's because he's been chosen for a special role. And what is that role? I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And if you noticed, the reading, the first reading from Sunday was from the book of Isaiah. And it's where... Um, There was a a master of the palace, Shebna, and he had been unfaithful. He had been um, wicked. And so the Lord tells him through the prophet that he's going to be taken, his office is going to be taken away from him, and it's going to be given to Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. And that he, Eliakim, will have the keys to the house of David. And when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Mm. And I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. And it shows that there, there were offices of dynastic succession. Mm-hmm. And the church takes this as a prophecy of um, the, the papacy, that the papacy would be an office within the church that would be passed on. That, and that's why this, that first reading is put together with this gospel. Because it's like they're commentaries on one another. You know, the, the, the new is in the old concealed, but the old is in the new revealed. Mm-hmm. And so now it's revealed in Peter that Peter will receive an office where he will be the head. Jesus Christ set up a church, and he only set up one head, the, the pope. And, the, 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 and Peter would be the chief shepherd. Now, the other bishops are to work in union with him. And they are to stay in union with Peter. And they aren't supposed to just willy-nilly make decisions on, well, this is the faith. They don't just sit down one day and say, I want to change the faith. I want to change this. I want to change that. What is their role? So right after the break, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk a little bit
2: about Mary. And don't forget to go to our website, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, for all the other shows that we have, especially the new one with Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Bishop of, of Tyler, Texas. On every Tuesday after the Terry and Jess show, we'll be right back.
0: Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to Saint Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out his will in all things.
2: realestateforlife.org 877 LIFE US1
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome back here on this Thursday, the 27th of August. And Peter is made the head of the church by Jesus when Jesus says to him, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the nether will shall not prevail against it, and I will give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Does that mean that Peter has the, can just decide what the truth is and, and say, Well, this is true today now because I decided it's true? No. Jesus Christ is, entrusted to his church a sacred deposit of faith divine revelation okay Jesus Christ himself is the living revelation of of the father and and the fullness of the, the he reveals to us that, that God is a trinity of persons father son and holy spirit and so he's he's the living revelation and then his there's the scriptures and then there are the truths that he taught to his church and the liturgical actions that he taught to his apostles and so the magisterium of the church that is the holy father the pope and the bishops who are in union with him their role is to safeguard and faithfully pass on that sacred deposit that was left by christ there was no new public revelation after the death of the last apostle there was no new revelation okay mm-hmm. so there's no new revelation god isn't going to give us any new revelations all of the revelation was given during the, the life of christ and to the during the time of the apostles But the apostles, their role, the bishops, the Holy Father and the bishops, their role is to safeguard, to safeguard what Christ gave. But, you know, different generations have different questions, have different um, circumstances, and it needs to be explained in a way that's understandable to the people at their time. The truth can't change.
2: And I think that's the point we're making. If for some reason you hear a bishop change a teaching on the Eucharist, okay, or a teaching on the Blessed Mother that was held universally right that's not something he has the authority to do
1: exactly he has no authority to change it so those things that were taught always everywhere and by everyone that's right um that have been believed for 2000 years of his that's why that's why at the council of trent when some of the reformers said well we're not going to accept the book of james or we're yeah. not going to accept the Deuterocanonicals, canonicals the church had to say no it was already decided that's right it, back in 3 390
2: 3, 397, Hippo and Carthage.
1: Hippo and Carthage that, no, these are the books of the scriptures. And and the Septuagint was fully accepted by the Christians, the Catholic Church from the beginning. Yep. And so when when the reformers came along and said, no, we're not going to accept them, the church had to say, no, this this is it. Mm-hmm. This is the canon. No changing it. Always was the canon. Yep. It's not that all of a sudden that's what it became. It always was. <laughs> when the church declared the Immaculate Conception, it's not all of a sudden, oh, that became the Immaculate Conception. Then." Right. No, it always was believed. It just had to, it's, it's just like, like that. Jesus Christ. What was the relationship between the humanity and the divinity of Christ? You know, Was he, was he um, God? Was he man? Was he God who took, uh, just looked like he was man? Was he um, a third kind of creature? As yeah. This is what Arius taught, that he wasn't even God or man. He was a third type of creature. He was above man, but he was not a God. And, and so you had all this confusion. Mm-hmm. And in the fourth century, Jesus Christ, it had to be declared. No, Jesus Christ is fully divine. He's also fully human. Mm. It was solemnly declared, but it didn't have to be declared until. And so that's what the role of Peter is. He is to do that because these truths are what help to sanctify us, because this is what God is revealing to us. And it is God who sanctifies us. We don't sanctify ourselves and we're called to live in union with God. But how can we live in union with someone if we don't even know them? And again, I, as I said in the beginning, you know, does someone have to command you to see your, your spouse every day? Under pain of mortal sin, you better <laughs> see your spouse every single day. No. You know, uh, you know we, the very fact that I will only go to Mass if it's, if it's under pain of mortal sin says that there's something drastically lo- wrong with my relationship with God. Amen. If I understand what the Mass is and who is present there, I would be dying to get there. Every single day. If it were possible. Now I have the duties of my state in life. And if the duties of my state in life. Don't permit me to go during the week. That that's God wants you to do your duty. But Sunday we have an obligation on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. And nobody. Not even the Pope can dispense us from keeping the third commandment. They can dispense us from the obligation to go to mass. And if a person is ill. You know that they can't get to mass on Sunday. If a woman just had a baby and she's at the hospital. That's what I want. She's say. dispensed. You know, if you're taking care of someone who's sick and there's no one to relieve you, you're dispensed. That's right. You can be dispensed from the obligation to go to mass, but you can't be dispensed from the obligation to keep the third commandment. Mm. Okay, and we can't be dispensed from the obligation to love the Lord, our God, before everything else. So think about it. Think about it and think about, you know, that reality. and, And one of the things what I talked about on Saturday was our lady and her relationship. With Christ and how that, you know, especially for women Mm -hmm. as the model of women and femininity. You know, one of the problems in our world is that we really do want to recreate the world. Yeah. We want to make it something different than what God made. Mm. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Does that mean men are better than women? Women are somehow less than men? Nope. No, they're equal. When Eve was made by God, she was made from Adam's side. Not from his head. She's not above him. Not from his feet. She's not below him. From his side. She is equal to him. As a partner. To help him in becoming a saint. In growing close to God. And to help him in childbearing. She was his wife. God gave Eve to Adam as a wife. And so we have Mary. Who becomes the center by the way. (laughs) Of salvation history. Because Mary is the woman. She's as William Wordsworth said of Mary. She's our tainted nature's solitary boast. Why is that? Because she perfectly cooperated in the plan of God. She was so in love with God that she couldn't even be tempted to sin. Wow! That's how in love with God she was. Mm. And we want to pray. We want to look to Mary as our model in faith. And yes, she walked by faith. She walked by faith. She didn't know everything it was going to mean that Jesus was... Be- now, she was familiar with the scriptures. She knew the prophecies about the Messiah. She knew the suffering servant psalms. She knew the, the, you know, the psalms in the old... the songs, suffering servant songs in Isaiah, and the psalms that she prayed every day that talked about the suffering of the Messiah and, and this, the sufferings he would have to go through. But she didn't know the specifics of how that would all unfold. So when God asked her to be his mother she puts herself at God's disposal well she had already done that by the way she had already put herself at God's disposal are we willing to do that do we give God permission in our life and put ourselves at his disposal say Lord whatever you want to do with me And, and there's a certain activity that's passive and that is that Lord I surrender myself to you and you can do with me what you want but I will faithfully carry on the duties of my state in life. That's an activity. But in your presence and according to your holy will. Wow. And, and his will is expressed mm-hmm. moment by moment to us in the duties of our state in life. Well
2: said. That's where I was going to go with that. And, and Mary, this is all something that many Catholics haven't heard enough of. Right. Because we've had a little bit of amnesia. We have forgotten our way. And why? Because the world has kind of crushed us with overwhelming us in our lifetime and we forgot about having god in our life and i'm saying about myself i got you know living in the presence of christ is a key to really focusing on that kind of life that you're talking about
1: right and it, and it again it's uh, somebody once said he said the difficulty for a modern man is he just he not only forgot where he was going yeah. which is to heaven yeah the problem is he forgot where he came from there you go so he can't find his way back that's right he doesn't know where to start well, look at you, look tonight before you go to bed. Look, do you have a belly button? I think so. You 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 have connected to the past. None of us made ourselves. We were made by God, and we were made to live in union with God. So we came from God out of the pure generosity of God's heart. It's interesting because the the reading from Romans on Sunday was the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of god how inscrutable his judgments how Mm. unsearchable his ways and isn't that what's wrong with our world today we don't want to accept god's judgment Mm. no god didn't make it just male and female well he did make it just male and female but we don't want to believe that anymore Mm. we want to believe that there's all kinds of other gender options that we can choose we can decide for ourselves who we are can we can you give yourself one single breath of life? Nope. Can you give your heart one single beat? Nope. Can you cause your, you, you know, the, the, the pulsations of your, your, your limb system and, and all the pulsating systems you have in your body? Do you cause your food to digest in your stomach? You know, there's things that happen automatically in our bodies that we don't even think about. Our breathing is automatic. Yep. But we couldn't take a single breath without God willing it. We can't have a single beat of our heart without God willing it. God didn't just create us. He wills us to continue in existence. And it's not about a slave master. And I heard a sermon, this priest was preaching, and I I felt really sad because he said, you know, when Jesus encountered the Syrophoenician woman, he's putting her in her place. Mm -hmm. He's saying, you are just a dog and I am your master. I don't think so. You see, Jesus knew her faith and he knew her heart. He's trying to show his apostles and the whole world for all of time Mm -hmm. what kind of faith we should have in God. Here this woman is, she's a Greek, a Syrophoenician. She's approaching Jesus, asking him to heal her daughter. She can't get close to him, so she's asking his apostles. And they want her to, they they say to Jesus, get rid of her. You know what's funny? That's what they said about the children when the children came, too. Exactly. Lord, get rid of them. Send them away. We still have that problem in the church. We do. Where the bishops and sometimes the lay people, you know, like get rid of those people. We don't want those people. They're uncomfortable. And Jesus looks at her. And she says, Lord, please, my daughter is so ill. Heal her. Mm-hmm. She's troubled by a demon. And he says, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. But he's doing this to bring out the faith that's in her heart so that the whole world can witness her faith. And she said, Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall for the master's table. Uh-huh. And she's such a beautiful example of the kind of humility that Mary has. That nothing, you know, God could... Even if God ignores me, and he did it first, even if God acts like he doesn't like me or I feel like God doesn't like me, I'm still going to have faith in him. I'm still going to believe. First he ignored her, and then he says, well, it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And she still says, but sir, even the dogs get to eat scraps. The kids don't eat everything. Stuff falls on the ground. I just want the scraps. And it's like, you got it, lady. Totally got it. And that's Mary's faith. We have that complete faith in our Lord, even if it doesn't feel like he loves us. And even if it doesn't feel like we're loving him. Remember, it's not about the feeling. It's about the act of the will to say, Lord, I choose you despite how it feels.
2: And Mary's an example for all of us.
1: Absolutely. She
2: She was the first follower of Christ. She was. She bared the God man inside of her.
1: That's right. She was the first tabernacle of the most high. Yes. Living tabernacle for nine months.
2: You got it. Mary, I'm going to ask you a question I ask Jesse Romero all the time. Mary, what state should we be living in?
1: The state of grace.
2: Ah, she got it right. (laughs) It's pretty sharp. Been listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Don't forget on social media to like us and uh, tell your friends about a Bible study. Don't forget every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina, Mary has her Bible study. You're all welcome to come if you're in the Southern California area. May God richly bless you and your family. God love you, and keep reading your Bible. Good for your soul. God love you. St.
4: Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord lord give us holy priests thou thyself maintain them in holiness o divine and great high priest may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares which are continually being set for the souls of priests may the power of thy mercy o lord shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests for thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio,
3: sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.